Texas Business Minds, presented by the Texas Business Journals. Brought to you by Texas Mutual Insurance Company, a workers' comp provider committed to helping companies build a stronger, safer Texas. In this episode, Austin Business Journal Managing Editor Will Anderson sits down with Walter Robb, who's been helping feed America since he joined Whole Foods Market in 1991. Rob spent 25 years at the company, including seven as co-CEO, before leaving in late 2016. Rob remains at the forefront of food innovation and sustainability as founder of investment and advisory firm Stonewall Rob Advisors and as an entrepreneur in residence at S2G Ventures. Rob is a linchpin connecting entrepreneurs in Austin and beyond to food expertise and deep pockets. You kind of get to do whatever you want now. Is that right? I get to do, uh, you know, I get to do things that I think continue to the work that we started Whole Foods around in, in, in making the, the food systems more sustainable. And, and, uh, and so it's just in a different way than as a retailer. You, you once told me um, uh, when we were talking about uh, an investment you made in Heat Genie that you were looking for uh, companies that offered consumers choices. Mm-hmm. That was very pivotal to you. Um, what does that mean? I think in the case of Heatini, which is a local Austin company here, right, essentially yeah. they've come up, kind of, the technology comes out of the battery world, but essentially it allows the, ultimately, the, it's, a, it's a self-heating can that the customer will be able to activate, pick up the shelf, activate, and within 90 seconds, they'll have temperature. So, so think about cocoa, cook, uh, yeah, cho- coffee, tea, chocolate, yeah. tea, and ultimately, assuming as we as we're able to get more scale with the technology, you think across all the categories that you could go to, like prepared foods or soup or any of these other categories that would lend itself to that. And the point is essentially that anything that gives the customer a different sort of choice, his innovation is moving forward. And that's what this represents. Because right now, let's say you were to get that, you either could get a hot tea, which then you got to carry around, or you got to get a, you got to go home and heat it up, right? Here's a new way that you can enjoy your beverage of choice at the time that you want it, when you want it, uh, by this new technology, which ultimately I think will is, is going commercial this month in Philadelphia, and then we'll see where it goes from there. You also got these other. Um I'd say pet projects or, or things that are uh, rather like passion projects of interest to you around food waste, around sustainability. Um, where else? Where else have you put money through through Stonewall Rob? Yeah. Well, there's. Uh, let's talk about a couple local Austin companies here first. Which is one. One is uh, we talked about heat genie. One is um, a Rev Gum, which is a couple of UT folks that have set up an energy gum. It's essentially uh, put some caffeine into the gum and yeah, right about all that. the a flavors. UT student or uh, yeah, a yeah, Blake Settle. Um, Blake Settle yeah. that uh, just graduated chemistry from UT is the uh, is leading that and is. His uh, partner, who I probably shouldn't name his name because he, he plays for UT Athletics and uh, oh, yeah. get in trouble on that. But the two of them are friends since high school, and they put the product out. They've been in Bucky's now for close to a year and doing really well and uh, looking to expand to the rest of Texas. So that's been a good one uh, and a fun one to work with those fellas. Um, the second one is... Um, is a grocery pup, which just came out of the uh, the SKU accelerator um, recently, and is serving independent pet stores now with their sous vide pet food 
Um, and you know, there's just a lot of Austin's a bit of a CPG hotbed in terms of companies starting here and trying different ideas. Now we know it's difficult to get to market, but they're making steady progress. Uh, in terms of Stonewall Robmore broadly, I think you're talking about Food Maven, which is based in Denver. Yes. That company was set up essentially to capture some of the lost food in the food system. There's about 40% of the food that we we, we produce in the United States that is somehow lost or doesn't find a home. Mismatch between supply and demand or everything up to the whole food salad bars where food's left over at the end of the day. And so uh, the attempt here with Food Maven is to create a platform where we're using old world pickup and distribution and new world uh, computer platform, technology platforms, to be able to connect buyer and seller. So that's Food Maven. I've also just involved with a company called Hungry, which we were discussing this morning, based in D.C., which is just coming to Austin right now. Um, this is its sixth city. Um, very interesting company that is essentially disrupting um, office catering market by by basically creating a platform for local chefs uh, and different cuisines and different chefs and different price points, giving the customer a lot of different choices. If you think about even office like yours, not everybody eats the same thing, right? So getting you know 25 turkey sandwiches may not be. But if you can have the choice of ordering these different cuisines at different price points, I think it opens up a whole new set of choices for people. And I think uh, the technology is really sound. The platform is pretty seamless. And so there's a lot of amazing companies that are starting up uh, um, uh, there's another one here in Austin called So's Chinese Kitchen. Do you know about this one? They're based, uh, they've, they've just opened their second location in Austin. It's a delivery only. I mean, you can pick up, it's delivery only, but yep. really uh, a couple of entrepreneurs here um, that used to work for big tech companies have started up and um, it's it's take it's basically delivery Chinese food. And um, they, you, know, you just go online order it and there's, they take care of the delivery and there's no tips. So they kind of clean up all that mess that you, that awkward moment that happens when the other folks come. <laughs> And uh, yeah, they do. continue to work on improving the quality of their food, and their and their their um, their um, their whole go to market is pretty exciting in terms of figuring out the last mile delivery. So there's three or there four there right here in Austin, but um, they're not only reducing friction on the consumer side, increasing choice, reducing friction, yeah. but uh, solving problems for businesses as well. What do you do with leftover food? Um, how do you uh, how do you connect with the consumer in a um, uh, what, what am I saying? A, uh, an understandable way, a, a predictable way, so that you don't have a bunch of inventory sitting around that you're not going to use. You know, you know exactly what you're making that day. Um, so it's it's not only consumer choice, but it seems like giving the, the business a choice as well, more flexibility. I think that's right. And um, the point I think uh, is is besides the fact that there's a lot going on in Austin in terms of new company creation and, and entrepreneurs, which always starts with the entrepreneur. Do you think there's somebody here that can really do something with this and has a good idea and has the energy to do it? But but nationwide, really, there's a new food revolution that's happening. Um, uh, even as retail becomes more and more competitive, um, and certainly Amazon, Whole Foods, Walmart, uh, Target, Costco, these are stellar players. HEB, you got to throw in the, in the conversation. These are really, really good players, but it's increasingly competitive and, and, uh, and difficult to compete just because of the digital capabilities that you need to have and the consumer expectations, which keep going up and up for delivery being free and everything else. But there's a lot of cool companies that are starting up uh, that are that are exploring the diversity of food, the flavor of food, um, 
and uh, different ways to um, create food. For example, there's a company in San Francisco called Brightseed. Brightseed's uh, mission is essentially they've created a, a computer search engine that is looking at the um, the plant world. Uh, they make we are using less than one percent of the plant world as it is right now and identifying plant compounds, small molecule plant compounds that connect directly to chronic disease. So there's a whole kind of revolution happening on the science side of it and the science and technology, these new tools that didn't exist five years ago to help them sort of explore the full potential of the plant world, which for me as a Whole Foods guy, is really exciting. We're not talking about manipulating anything. We're talking about finding what's already out there and then bringing it to market in the form of a functional ingredient, in terms of some sort of a medicine, in terms of some sort of a a quality. Broccoli, for example, has phytonutrients and the potential to sort of grow that in a way that increases the phytonutrients three times. So you can see, begin to see food and medicine uh, as as beginning to appear where the worlds of food, science, technology, uh, and medicine are all beginning to converge. Yeah, I see that convergence in the form of this holistic health, right? Your doctor doesn't just talk about Mm -hmm. um, how do you feel that day, but what are you eating? Um, You know, what, what the diet looks like, how much sleep you're getting. So the idea is... If you um, eat more broccoli, you might not need the the same uh, cardiovascular pills 10 years down the line. So it seems like there's this convergence around tech, medicine, food. Like we're all understanding these things all uh, work together. They all fit together, which is like, duh, right? But but sometimes you need an entrepreneur or someone to really encapsulate that into a business plan. Yeah, you, you're now seeing it the same way. I mean, Herodotus said, what, 3,000 years ago, let food be that medicine, medicine be that food. So it's been around for a while. But, you know, it, it, in terms of people, um, but the capabilities are out there in the marketplace, the technology, the science, the, some of these platforms are able to kind of relook at that. But in the end, the customer will have to say, uh, we know the customer is going to, you know, they can test their genome. They're going to know more about their health. We know there's kind of a, um, there'll be a more personalized path to you optimizing your health going forward. You'll have more opportunity to do that, more knowledge of how to do that. It's just, you know, will you make the choice? So which choices will you make? That's what it always comes down to. But we are seeing these worlds converge and they will converge. And um, just as they are in retail where, you know, for example, you go on now, you can pretty much order your food or even populate your grocery list and have it delivered to you at a time that you want. Line, They'll uh, put it in state. your trunk in some cases exactly in your parking right. garage within two minutes there. of you pulling up, whatever. So those same set of you know that's uh, those capabilities within the world of technology and platforms and, and data are going to basically enable um, the, the, a new set of choices for you as an individual around your health and. Food obviously is a, um, a very uh, appealing alternative to the current, you know, spend-heavy uh, healthcare path that many that many are unfortunately on. Definitely. Uh, speaking of a company that already has some of that market fit, um, speaking about the future of food, uh, I've seen you give a few interviews or just talk to like Yahoo Finance about Beyond Meat, um, uh, meat meat alternatives, protein alternatives, um, and you seemed pretty high on them. Um, why, you know, wh- why are we seeing those things start to become so popular in Burger King? You can find um, Beyond Meat or, or Impossible Foods uh, in the grocery store aisle. You're seeing a lot yeah. more of that now. Does that fit the same narrative? Well, I wouldn't say I'm high on it. What I would say is what you need to, you need to stand up and take notice of the phenomenon that's happened with them, which is to say they're, they bust out of the uh, gate and their sales are incredible around. And they're moving quickly into China as well. So the demand um, for these plant-based foods 
uh, particularly the fact they have less of a climate impact, uh, which yeah, is a sustainability well. people's decision making is pretty impressive. And um, the growth rates year over year, month over month, are phenomenal. So, you know, the um, it's primarily driven by the flexitarian crowd, which is to say people are saying, I want to eat meat one or two times less a week. It isn't so much the vegans or the vegetarians, but that's, it's that's more of the flexitarians yeah. who say, I'm interested in uh, making some choices that have less impact on climate. And the health aspects of these are, it's a little harder to read through on that, uh, given that right now they're they're made up of a number of isolates and so forth. Uh, they're not actually whole foods per se, but you know they're all working on that. Um, but I think the real so thing- it's a step in the right direction. It's a step in that direction at this point. Um, you know, I mean, being a whole food guy with a small W, um, that's the foods I prefer to eat. But but you really need to take notices of what this says, is that there's a, this a revolution. The whole foods plant-based revolution is here to stay. It's broad. It's deep. The capital is flowing in. Um, the alternatives are being creating left and right. And pretty much everyone says uh, they're, they're willing to try those things one or two days a week. So if you just do the calcs on that, it's a pretty big market uh, available there. And as they move across the categories, there's products coming out all the time that say. Um, and then there's increasingly science that says that there's a there's a connection between uh, you know increasing your plant based uh, diet and and your health. That's the one thing my doctor tells me is just go eat more colorful food. If you could do one thing, if you could do one thing is eat more vegetables. I mean, and and, and I don't mean, you know, fry them. I mean, you know, steam them up with some water, maybe throw a little something in there if you want. But I mean, if you just do that one thing, you're you're well down the road in terms of the nutrients and the nutrient density of the vegetables. So speaking not just about food, but the grocery experience as a whole, we talked about the technology influencing delivery, pickup. um, But as a whole, what do you think is the part of the grocery store most ripe for disruption or the whole or the process? You know, we can talk supply chain or logistics as well, but where is in need of some innovation? Well, I, I think the innovation is happening very quickly, which is the, and it's being driven by the customer's expectations. And obviously, Amazon and Walmart both had a lot to say about that. But the disruption is in the physical box. If you, you know, 15, 20 years ago, if you went to the store uh, to do your retailing, do your grocery shopping, now you can pick up, you can order online, you can have it delivered to your home. You can essentially, you know, have your device do that. You can eventually, you know, you'll be flying in from Chicago. You'll be looking through your phone at your refrigerator. This is and a personal experience. Activate that, your order. And yeah. so, so I think what's really changing is um, the, the customer's in charge, and they're they're telling you where, when, and how they want to get their service, and they expect to be met that way. And if you don't meet those expectations, you're going to struggle. So so the, the retail is just changing at a faster rate of evolution than I've ever seen in my four-year career. Career. Well, you've talked about integrated retailing. That's kind of what you're talking about, where right. uh, it's uh, it's a seamless transition, and well, it can be it can like phys- it can be physical retail too. I mean, my local grocery store is always brimming with people, so it, it it's not a uh, in it's not um, forgetting the physical experience, but it's including that in this uh, yeah. you know this, this number of, of choices. Well, that's exactly right. I mean, people are people. They like to be around people, and people like to go to where the energy is. So any place there's community, whether it's a restaurant, a grocery store, is a great place to meet and see, and things happen spontaneously. I've said that yeah. many times. It's like, that's never going to go away. But what has been added to that is that the, the physical box by itself is not enough. Um, and the physical box, by the way, is going to have to step up their, their level of uh, selection and their level of experience 
to make it worth a while for somebody to come there versus, uh, you know, come there more often versus just stay at home and have it delivered. So what's different, though, is that we have all these other choices that are now feasible and available and customers are using. And if you look at the numbers in any of the earnings report, you can see clearly that the customer is choosing these different choices. And so um, that's what's different about, about retailing today is you're retailing the customer to the customer, the personal customer. You learn a little bit more about them, what they like and dislike. You try to serve those things because you have the you're able to collect the data with their permission on that and be able to serve them. And sometimes they want to deliver it. Sometimes they want to pick up. Sometimes they want to go to the store. And that's those are choices they just didn't have. So the need for innovation is going to be around, um, you know, how, how are these various companies going to be able to keep up with the customer in terms of meeting their expectations, particularly as we're on the, on the pivot of a generational change, right, to the... Sure. To the to the Z, the Y, the alpha generation that are going to start to take over here and, and they're driven, they're digital natives and they're going to expect a lot more information available to them that way to enable their sorts of choices. So it's going to be interesting to watch and it's happening very quickly. Yeah, it's fun to write about too. Yeah, um, is it? Yeah. It's challenging when you're in business. So I mean, you have to you have to keep up, you have to keep moving, you have to constantly be willing to change and innovate and invest against that. And if you're not, it's going to be very difficult to grow. Amazon's kind of been at the forefront of that for everything yeah. from cashierless. Um, and I think you've been on the record um, saying that it was a good deal to, to buy Whole Foods. Is, is that how you feel? I feel it was uh, for our shareholders, our stakeholders. I think it was a, a good move. Yeah, and I think it's you know been a, the combination of the of our physical abilities, our, our abilities in fresh food, and their abilities with data and technology and uh, systems. I think it's been a good combination to serve serve our customers and all of our stakeholders. Sure, increasing um, short term uh, or, or two hour short delivery um, uh, to, to prime customers. Uh, like I said, advancing things like um, technology in the store that looks at uh, cashierless checkout. Mm-hmm. Or, or even just walking out, I think, in some of the Amazon stores in Seattle, you just put the items in your basket and walk out, out of the store. The That's camera. the Amazon Go technology, and Amazon it is Go. also available. Other retailers are doing that as well, oh, which really? is essentially where, yeah, everything's, uh, you know, I don't find that to be a, a super physical you know, shopping experience, but the technology is pretty amazing, and that will continue to evolve. But I think the main thing here is the combination of the physical and the digital, the fid- what do they call that, the fidgetization or something like that. The two of those together, uh, the combination of Whole Foods and Amazon has been pretty powerful. And the Prime now is their vehicle, uh, their digital platform that enables the customers to have access to an endless aisle of products and an endless suite of choices, both physical and digital. So you were at Whole Foods for um, 25? 28. 28 years, okay. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, even before that, I think you you ran your own... For 10 years before that, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you had seen everything from running your own shop, being the entrepreneur yourself, to rising up through this much larger organization. Although Whole Foods wasn't even that big when you joined, I imagine. sold my store to John, and it was a store number 12 for the organization before we were public. So, yeah. What Um, was there from the beginning? Pretty much uh, for... I think John started Whole Foods in 1980 with uh, Craig Weller, and here they joined the two stores in Austin. That was the first Whole Foods at uh, 10th and Lamar. Right, so, right. Yeah, and I started in 78 um, with my little store, and then um, I sold that store, started another store, sold that store to John in 1990 or 91, which was store number 12 for Whole Foods. So. Former Whole Foods Market co-CEO Walter Robb joining Austin Business Journal Managing Editor Will Anderson. In our next segment, Rob reflects on the difference between scaling a large national company and now working on smaller startups when Texas Business Minds continues. 
Texas Mutual is proud to be on the job with Warren Paynes, who is cleaning up Texas and keeping it safe as a driver for Texas Disposal Systems. Protecting drivers is another way we're changing the way workers' comp works for you. Learn more at worksafetexas.com slash on the job. Continuing our conversation on Texas Business Minds as Austin Business Journal Managing Editor Will Anderson spends time with former Whole Foods Market co-CEO Walter Robb, returning to his roots, working and investing in small companies. So what was it like being inside a, a large uh, or really a scaling organization? And then um, and now once again, you're on your own, running your own advisory and, and investment firm, yeah. kind of like when you, you owned your own shop before. So you've had a taste of both worlds. Yeah. Well, I think it was a, the joy and honor of a lifetime to to be part of the team at Whole Foods. I think we did some amazing work over the almost 30 years um, there and, and to see what we accomplished ultimately around establishing that the quality of food actually matters uh, when that wasn't where the world was many years ago and that and now that 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 work that's enabling the next set of companies to be created based on the fact that we, we recognize that food actually can do that and local food matters organic food matters sustainability and food matters food can basically tie into medicine all these things were not taken for granted were things that through the hard work of the team at whole foods i think we were able to establish that in the marketplace enough to where a company like amazon would pay the type of money they did to buy us and to to get our skill set so very proud of that and um that is you know that that's an honor of a lifetime to have that experience Experience and I'm still, you know, very connected to the people, and you know, very much, um, you know, that's all inside of me, and everything that will never change. Um, look, I think that you know, I'm having the chance now to work with a number of different companies, so it's not like you know, I'm I'm, I'm in in and around a lot of different companies, right? Many in, in the C-suite with the CEOs and having a look at their strategy and helping them think through how to build a culture, and so it's it's a different experience than focusing on one thing every day, and um, and you know, I do I do toy around with do I step back in and, and build a company again or you know maybe I don't have the number of years I had before but I could I could do something in a different sort of way but right now I'm enjoying the exposure to I'm learning all sorts of things um, from these different younger CEOs that are doing some amazing things and I think you know again reminding you the power of curiosity and learning and being a lifelong learner is uh, the, these folks are doing things I never would have thought ever could have done and it's making me uh, it's really interesting to see uh, so many different different points of view about how this marketplace is evolving, which is, I think, making me a better leader to have those points of views and those exposures. So maybe you go through phases in your life in, in different times. Um, and uh, I suspect, you know, what I do miss the most is just the the shoulder to shoulder with the team every day facing the challenges of the marketplace. But I, I suspect I'll put that back together in some way, shape or form uh, going forward. Right now, I'm a very... Uh, uh, you know, working with the S2G uh, company and great guys, uh, great companies. So, um, you know, right now it's 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 teamwork, but in a different way than it was in Whole Foods. So. Yeah. If you hadn't started uh, into groceries pretty soon after leaving Stanford, mm -hmm. within a few years. Yeah. If not that, what what would Walter Robb have done? What yeah. Do you think? Well, I always loved music, and I thought, you know, that might have been a fun thing to do. I look at some of my friends that have made it in the music business. I mean, the joy they have when you see them up there playing their music and performing and the songs they write. Um, for me, the real, you know, so it might have been around that. For me, I've learned about myself. The real excitement for me comes on creating creating and building. So, you know, finding an edge somewhere and, and creating something that hasn't existed, whether it's a new, new store, a new store design, 
a new product idea, a new way of thinking about organizing people. But, you know, uh, I think of the work we did in the inner cities of America, uh, stuff that's first to market, that's that's really where the excitement is around creating something new and fashioning something out of what you have. And um, and building from there, so uh, it would have been something in the creative direction, uh, in some way, shape, or form. Um, Does food give you? I joy? would not probably work at a bank. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. I don't know that I would have been a good newspaper man. I don't know, but uh, you, I think you probably yeah, would. There, your, knows, curiosity, knows, your curiosity, your curiosity is pretty boundless. Yeah. 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 Well, I think, I think um, early on in life I had to do an exercise around uh, what my values were, and I realized that you know I really genuinely am uh, open to learning, and I like to be, I want to be a lifelong learner. I mean, I want to read, I want to learn, I want to see. I ask a lot of questions. People get annoyed at my questions sometimes, but I mean, you would be a great reporter then. <laughs> well, asking questions and just listening from a sincere place and saying, you know, what that's such an interesting thing somebody's working on, and how do you, how do you build that into your go go to market every day. Yeah. Right, just continue learning and adjusting and you know changing with the information that you're getting because the world is moving so quickly. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I asked about whether food gives you joy because I've heard um, uh, legends about your love of lentils or yeah. or you know a certain t- type of produce. Um, what? Uh, what 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 excites you about food? Like what? Uh, not just the technology and where we're going, but the physical food. When you go into a grocery yeah. store, what what do you look for? Well, start with this: that uh, we all have to eat, and yep. um, that it is one of the most pleasurable and joyous things that we do, particularly when we share it with others. And a great CEO friend of mine. Uh, Mutar Kent told me once, you know, one of his rules was never eat alone and because you're going to eat dinner anyways, why don't you eat with somebody? So um, I, I think just look, we food is sensual. Um, it's, t- it's tasty. It's pleasurable. Uh, there's endless variety of uh, flavor and all sorts of things. And so and it's colorful, right? So the idea of uh, just on that level, then second of all, you go to the aspect of sharing it with somebody and, and sharing that experience and think about in any culture of the world how that's sort of central. To um, to the life experience anywhere you go in the world, right? Yeah, exactly. And then and then third is, you know, from a I'm a retailer standpoint, the visuals of food, particularly fresh food. Uh, you go to any city in the world, the the, the open air markets, the presentation of the food, um, the kind of whole energy of producing the food, the connection between the producer and the customer that you find in open markets, or the the visual presentation of product at stores and how. You get drawn into it. I mean, the, the you know, you, one of the things we try to do at Whole Foods is make the, the this place so beautiful that you'd be drawn and connected to it, right? Just the impulse of that. Uh, much of grocery shopping is impulse, right? That you come in, you see something, you're drawn to it. Let me make this or I'll do that. I think the final point about food is that it's about, you know, it's a, a trillion dollars in a 16 or 17 trillion dollar economy. It's a very meaningful part of our economy. And it's also a place that touches on pretty much all the major problems that we're, we're facing, whether it's climate, whether it's health, whether it's sustainability, whether it's uh, business. I mean, food touches all of those. So so it's a place that I think traditionally has been underinvested or underappreciated, but food is back now as being uh, you know, kind of on the center plate, no pun intended. And uh, it's, it's a pathway to uh, impact a lot of lives. I think it's uh, so, and a lot of communities and the world systems overall. Yeah, I think it's in vogue right now to talk about it. Uh, again, going back to this holistic idea of, of really being a central part of your health and your happiness. Um, and people are thinking about things as crazy as uh, there's a group here in town, Aspire, that makes crickets into food, right? And it's like um, 
uh, uh, the the former CEO of Cisco, uh, John Chambers, has invested in them because he thinks yeah. it's a great idea to uh, maybe again increase consumer choice. Yeah, Not John, everyone's going to eat crickets. John's a friend of mine, and he's one of the great global leaders in technology, obviously at Cisco, and he is the majority shareholder, I think, over there. And I think he's right that uh, you know the thing will move down the food chain, the protein thing will get met in different sorts of ways. And I mean, it is early; they're selling it as snacks at ATB, right? Yeah, yeah um, right. But ultimately, you know, you think about that as a protein source for feeding fish on the on farm fish which is also happening there's lots of places that this insect protein which could be could be used and, and to make a uh, more sustainable food system and what it seems to me like is every option is on the table um, I, nothing against anyone eating crickets if people like it that's great I haven't tried one maybe I should maybe that's my fault mm-hmm. but there's some things that I just feel like um, either aren't to my taste, but I like that. I like that everything is on the table. We can talk about everything. Um, there's other companies like Food Maven that, that recycle food that then is can be used for animal feed or, or, or yeah. for different purposes. That's right. And I want everyone to be, I want every aspect of the ecosystem to be challenged and to be looked at. Yeah. I, mean, I think that's healthy. The motto of Food Maven is all good food used to good purpose. And the fact is we're wasting about... 40% of what we produce in the United States huge right amount. now. That's a huge amount of food. So um, we also have 20,000 kids that go hungry every day. We also exactly. have, uh, you know, we have life expectancy disparities in major cities of 20 to 30 years between different parts of the city. So food touches all those things. And, you know, you can come at it any way you want. But you mentioned about lentils. I mean, for me, um, you, you sit down and you eat a meal that's very wholesome and satisfying and very fulfilling. I love lentils. They're easy. They're a great quality food. So easy to fix compared to many you know beans which take longer. You can do lentils in 20, 25 minutes. You yeah. throw in a carrot Same and onion like that and it, you have a very nutritious. I typically do that in a bowl and I'll steam some greens and put it on top and I've got a whole nutritious, delicious. And there's about 25 types of lentils and you probably know two or three. You know the green, the red, the black. Yeah, I've got but that there's a lot and there's a lentil festival held in eastern Washington every year. Um, I haven't made it there yet, but but I really do think you know um, it's it's you know we we as as humans um, get about eighty or percent of our calories from twelve plants and five animals, so we don't really wander around that much. And yet, the next fifty years is going to be an unfolding of so many more types of food that we haven't yet tried or experienced that for a lot of different reasons. And so we tend to go back with what we know and what we're used to, but there's a whole new world of variety that's waiting to come and that will come and that the entrepreneurs are grabbing hold to and, and bringing to market. I mean, if I did, I mean, the, the, just looking at the sales numbers in the last three years, this shift um, from the larger brands to the small and medium-sized brands is phenomenal. It's a real, the data is really there to support the fact that the customers themselves are saying, I want to try new things. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, that's fine. Well, maybe that's one of those things I can ask you about is uh, we, you had mentioned the proliferation of CPG in Austin, and um, it's definitely known as a startup town, but we're seeing them pop up all over, too. And, and it can be in rural Texas as well, like down in Kyle or farther down to San Marcos or Seguin, you're seeing some ideas pop up. Um, and I think, the, uh, I think the idea here is, yes, moving away from big brands and also the big brands acting more like smaller brands. You have someone like Hershey who has set up a uh, kind of a, what I've been told is like a uh, uh, kind of an innovation lab here in Austin after they bought um, Amplify Snack uh, brands. So the big guys trying to act like little companies. And General and, Mills bought Epic here. And General, Mill, uh, General Mills bought Epic, the, the meat bars. Um, so I think there's this. And their innovation thing is here with Epic. Is that right? Mm-hmm. So same same deal. So it's the I idea think that, that Epic is, yeah, I think that's part of their role within General Mills is to bring new ideas forward. Yeah. Exactly. Harder so, for big companies to move fast. It, that's right. And, uh, 
definitely true. And so, what uh, what do you think the future is going to look like as far as um, uh, the the entrepreneurial face of food production? I mean, will yeah. we all be growing our own vegetables? It will be that micro, or are, are we seeing enough entrepreneurism in the food sector? I think we're seeing a lot of entrepreneurs in the food sector. No, I don't think we'll all be growing our own vegetables. I think you know you are going to see uh, uh, indoor agriculture increase uh, incrementally. It's it is a small part of the overall food supply now, but with climate change and with what's possible with technology, you're seeing a whole new generation of indoor ag that's going to start. It's producing primarily herbs and greens, but will migrate to other categories over time as the technology becomes more sophisticated. So there's there's soil based, there's water based, and there's uh, you know air based yeah, systems, but but um, a lot of the major grocers are beginning to put some of that online. You're just going to see the advent of cell-based meat, which is uh, um, uh, the first company is going to come to market within two years, which is essentially take the animal cell and then grow it out in a lab, bypass the animal. Yeah, I was going to have, when we mentioned... Memphis Meats is that company. Memphis that, Meats, Uma, Uma exactly. Valenti is a leader of that, and you'll have that choice, and you'll have to make that as a customer. Is that something you're interested in? Um, you're going to have uh, all these uh, plant-based alternatives, which are going to show up and, and give you those sorts of choices. And uh, in addition to the protein choices you have had, you're going to continue to have those. So it's going to be a world where you're going to have to, you know, customers already say they're confused about food and food diets. There's a, there's a lot of confusion out there about what do I do, what do I eat. Um, we know that's true, and, and we, yet there's going to be a lot more choices available and a lot more claims made. So we're, you know, there's got to be some way to sort all that out, and you'll have will you'll have to sort. You have a busy job, you're doing this thing, and at the same time, I got to eat. So you know, you're not a grocer, but you're going to have to make those sorts of choices. And how we, it, what's going to be really interesting is how that information is presented. How how do folks make choices? Who do they trust to make those choices? So we have a whole and a, there's a, you know, a whole new set. You know, cell-based meat, for example, presents also choice. Are you interested in, in supporting that? You know, obviously, it's easier on the environment than the animal, less time. Um, how do you feel about eating something that's grown in the lab? Are you okay with that? Um, those sorts of choices will all be presented to the marketplace, uh, indoor ag, um, these different systems. Do you care how it's grown? Does it matter to you if it's not grown in soil? Yes or no? Sure. These are all individual choices. So, the, how does the, the consumer know? I mean, because then when you have a proliferation of sources, mm -hmm. there's a hundred different things to mind where it was grown, whether it was in soil, who grew it, was it ethically grown, you know, under fair fair labor standards. I mean, it's a lot of information, I and mean, maybe that's an opportunity as well for, for entrepreneurs to, to grasp hold of. Well, the entrepreneur opportunity there is to create a platform where that information is conveyed in some way that customer can, but I mean, you know, customers are not all one customer. They're all different sorts of customers with different motivations and different profiles. So some folks, it, you know, what they can do is what they can afford and um, calories they can afford. And others, it's, uh, you know, on the other end, the spectrum we want to go very deep on who it's grown what, where it's grown and so that's all those are all of America and all of Texas is going to make those sorts of choices but I'm just simply saying it's going to be a more there's going to be more variety there's going to be more uh, choices to be made in the world going forward and, and more ways to get those choices so I mean for example you know prepared foods right now you just go on your phone but boom you can have whatever type of food you want delivered in an hour you know pretty much yeah. um, and that just didn't exist five years ago so we're looking at a world where food is moved you know, has become 
pretty exciting again, um, pretty featured again, where, you know, as we become a more cultural, multicultural world, the food will become, those cultures will blend in terms of the food choices, right? Uh, like you see with food trucks in early days, you see, you know, Indian and Chinese blended or Indian and whatever, Jamaican blended, whatever the marriage is or whatever the combination is, that sort of food sort of comes out new. So we're going to see uh, a pretty exciting time ahead for food. And are you optimistic that business is the right vehicle to um, uh, to, to tackle these social ills, like, like you know, needing healthier, more sustainable food sources? Are businesses the best? Is the private sector equipped to do that? Is that is well, the private sector is equipped um, to, to move the fastest and, and has probably the best likelihood of succeeding and also best access to capital without strings. So, yes, I do, and I do think it will. So I think the customer ultimately um, gonna, is guiding this in terms of where they want to go and what they want. But businesses will bring choices and new ideas and, and you know, what sticks. I, I think we've identified the broad outlines of where it's all going, which is the convergence theme, right, as, as um, these things come together. You have the modern production agriculture system, which is a thing we talk about in connection with the trade bill, which is, you know, selling to China and around the world. And you have this parallel, more sustainable structure with the organic community, which is growing very rapidly as well. And you have demand for both products. And they're now increasingly a, a system that's learning, learning from the two um, and bringing choices to the market. So... Um, I know it's there's a lot unfolding very quickly here and uh, retailing is getting tougher uh, it's getting more competitive uh, it's getting you know it's getting more expensive to do all these various things as your costs go up your your, your need to invest is also growing so it's going to be difficult for some of the middle players are going to get squeezed but um, but the customer ultimately is right now the winning winning because of the all the different choices they have you know you can go online and buy uh, like in San Francisco, there's a company called Good Eggs. We'll just go online, get your full suite of groceries, and deliver it fresh to your house. There's fresh D2C is what's happening now, as well as frozen D2C. So um, it's a good time for the customer. Um, I'm hoping that the customer will support increasingly uh, sustainability in the world through the choices that they make and the systems that they support with those choices. And I think the transparency and traceability, which will be necessary for food safety, which is kind of a given, right? Nobody wants to eat food that's not safe. Um, but I think will also support uh, increasing the customer knowing more about their food and making sure that they're aware of the choices that they're making. Yeah, it does seem like a net benefit to the customer, even if it's a more competitive uh, struggle, maybe for, for, for grocery stores and retail. Oh, my goodness, the customer's benefiting. Look at the lack of inflation in food. You know, yeah. I mean, so we've really had um, a lot of competitive pressures kept the inflation down. Um, that being said, there's also new choices coming to market at high price points that represent new selections. But um, it's a very robust market out there right now. And uh, Austin is a hotbed for startups and new ideas. And the, uh, the SKU accelerators that Clayton and, and Dan Graham and others started is one place that companies go to kind of get a little guidance and then go out in the market. And there's others. Um, and um, and that's that's pretty exciting. And the entrepreneurship, uh, you know, there's there's UT's kind of fired up their entrepreneurship program over there yeah. again. And um, um, so with Marissa Epstein, I don't know if you've interviewed yet. She'd be a great no. interview for you. Uh, she used to work over at Stanford. She's come to UT, and she's kind of putting the business school nutrition thing together and, and is uh, doing some things for entrepreneurs so that the undergraduate has an interest in food entrepreneurship has a place to go and get some experience and some exposure. So um, there's a lot going on in town here that's, uh, that's worth talking about. Speaking of food, last thing is, uh, yeah. what's, the, what's the best last thing you ate? Mm, let's see. Uh, 
best last thing I ate. Mm -hmm. The best last thing I ate. <laughs> Let's yeah, see. Worth Breakfast taco this morning. I, had, I stopped by the place over by my house, the Juan Pelota. Yeah. And um, so I just got a bean. It's a, you know, it's a vegan breakfast taco, but it's pretty good. Are you vegan? Or I'm a very careful eater. Yeah, yeah, very careful eater. Yeah, whole foods plant-based for sure. Um, but that's my part. I mean, I'm a natural food guy, so that's what works well for me. But I do I do enjoy food and, and, and enjoy you know, trying different things. But for me, ultimately, the core of it is, is, the, is the natural food thing. That's kind of what's worked for me a long time. Well, welcome back to Austin. Thank Breakfast you very much. Very appropriate. Mm -hmm. uh, thank you for joining me today, Walter. Really appreciate your time. It's a pleasure, Will. Thank you for having me. Thank you for downloading Texas Business Minds, presented by the Texas Business Journals and brought to you by Texas Mutual Insurance Company, a workers' comp provider committed to helping companies build a stronger, safer Texas.